Beleza? Seriously. It pays for you to be happy, it pays for you to have some clarity. 
it's a good question. I'm sorry, the question itself could be more specific. But I think it's a good theme to explore. And I want to say this, huh? Now, effort. With regards to effort, if you think about it, to some extent, effort is within your control. Is doing everything well possible? Yes. Effort is within your control. You can put in your best. And effort in the following, you can put in your best in the following areas. In terms of, if it's a project, the project requires technical knowledge and skill. Right? So for instance, you're going for your exam. This is mathematics. There are all the theories and concepts. And then the more you practice, the better you are at it. If you are a doctor or a lawyer, they're not the same thing. Skill and knowledge are not the same. And it takes time to build both skill and knowledge. Skill, as a doctor, say we're looking at surgeon. Then dexterity of the hand, when to cut, how to cut, and so on and so forth. I'm assuming I'm not a doctor. If you are a lawyer, there are skills involved. For instance, you are going to court, your orator, you are going to court, you, you argue a case, your communication skills matter. But knowledge is separate. Knowledge is about the subject matter and the, and the range of information that helps you understand the subject matter better. And some information are necessary, are criticals, they are critical, they are necessary. Some information are good to have, others are not essential. Having skill, having intelligence, help you to understand what are essential, what are not essential. And you build. And these are definitely within your control. You can decide how much you want to read, how far you want to read, how deep you want to understand a subject, who you want to consult, and so on. You know how to build knowledge. Skill requires practice. The more you act on your skill, the better you are. If you're a tennis player, you spend all your days in a court learning how to execute shots, you will be proficient at it. Sooner or later, you'll be really good at it, right? So within your control, how much you want to learn, how well you want to learn, what, whom you want to learn from, all these are within your control. I talk about tactical agility. Let me explain. I, I put in words just to trigger my, my memory. You see, you have the knowledge, you have the skill, but when you're dealing with a project or an operation, things change, right? You go and you are doing surgery, for instance, and then suddenly you find that your patient has conditions that were not declared earlier or something you've never seen before. What do you do? Sorry, I didn't see before that. So bad. <laughs> this is where the technical agility means as things unfold, are you mentally agile? Are you intelligent? Are you... Do you use your brain to 
think out of the box? Or are you the step one, step two, step three, step three point one, and that's it? We never do three point two, therefore we're not trying to do three point two. This is the one where you cut open, then you see, then you sew back. Okay. And tactical agility is something that comes with experience. One or two. Some people, by nature, are a little bit more creative. They happen to be so. I suspect it has to do with upbringing. It has to do with how this child or this person had survived his childhood. If he spent all his time running and feel and basically learning to take care of himself, the odds are the brain has been has been wired to be very agile, to react very quickly. This one ethical agility a little bit outside your control, but you can still build it. You put yourself in a situation which is challenging, and you force yourself always to think about possibilities. You will grow. You will learn. And then it also depends on your attitude. Some people are very good at learning from another. They don't have to be the one who got into trouble. They can learn from another person's trouble. I think that's a good part because you don't have to bear the cross. You just have to see and watch and go. I'm not doing that. See what I'm saying? And again, that depends on attitude. So there are, there are things here as I talk, it will come up. Your attitude matters. It's not here. If you believe something can be solved, that is an attitude. In your mind, you have already assumed there is a solution somewhere, and then you will. Think, ponder. You let your mind flow. You go out. You look for solution. You go online. You look at what people are saying about how to handle this and that. An attitude can make a, a difference. You have the right attitude. You don't have the tactical agility. You will learn. You have the tactical agility. You don't have the right attitude. It, you can survive. It may come to a point where you get stuck, but you can survive. If you have the, if you don't have tactical agility and your attitude sucks, like that, wrong. <laughs> That's where you hit a plateau. Glass ceiling, or in fact, glass ceiling is also mental. It's a mental state. You perceive the ceiling is there, so you don't go near there. So attitude can make a difference. When the Buddha went in search of the Dhamma, you let's just take it back to the Dhamma, okay? When he went in search of the Dhamma, today, sorry, let's just take it slightly off. Today, when you look at what the Buddha had achieved, you will say, yes, it's all predicted. It's all foreseen. You know, all matter of time, you will get it. So no big deal. No, when he set out. On his dumber quest, he never assumed it will be a success. If you look at what he said in the Arya Parayasana Sutta, you will see that at different periods he was hit by an obstacle, and he tackled it very logically, very systematically, with the correct attitude. His, his mindset then was, 
there has to be a way out. I've just got to figure it out. And I will doggedly knock my head until I get my solution. Isn't that what? If you have not read Arya Fariya Samasutta, no. Majima Nikaya, I can't remember the number. 26. Majima Nikaya, 26. You read what he said about his approach to tackling a most baffling question. You see what I'm saying? So, he, he, in terms of attitude towards the question of dukkha and cessation, he really didn't at it. I will figure my way out, or I will die trying. That was his, that was his perspective. And so he was very nimble, very job. The last point I put there, EQ, let, let me put it this way. Unless your job is extremely narrow or your project is very narrow, it's all about painting, for instance. Now, painting, you don't need a lot of EQ. It's just your, your fuel and the paper and whatever art material you're using. But if you are working in a company or you are serving a community, you work with people. So in terms of effort, a whole chunk of effort can come from whose help you can bring in to work on the project. So there's one chunk that is you, your intellect, your experience, your knowledge, your skill. All these within your control. You can build them. Then there is another chunk where if you don't have what it takes, you need to go fishing for help. You've got to bring people onto your team. Yes? Most projects are like this. And that's when, because you're dealing with conditions outside of yourself, this is where you need to manage relationships. This is part of effort. And managing relationships successfully depends on skill, knowledge, technical ability, and so on and so forth. You see what I'm saying? So you have all these pertaining to the, the, the job, the project, and you need the same series of sets, skill sets for managing people. And they are all part of your effort. There is no way BF, for instance, can be run by one person. Can I? Just open door, close door. <laughs> and you don't do a lot of things. How? Let, let me share something with you. For those of you who, who know, uh, who, who are more familiar with me and my uh, work in recent years, you may observe that we've been doing a lot more things. We have home retreats, we have uh, classes, structured courses, and over time we will do more. We set up a web page and all. All this could not have been done by me, seriously. If it were me, once a week, then when I'm in Myanmar, that's it, we'll stop. Once a week. 
how to do so many things. Particularly since I'm really bad at admin stuff. You know? the, the sort that you give me your name and you will come for you to apply for it disappear. So if I organize a retreat, nobody knows where to go. Is that, that, that's, that's how bad it is. But working with a team, anything is possible. So my advice is, if you are serious about hoping to achieve material success in a material secular world, you have to learn in a big way how to deal with people, how to manage relationships. And you, I can give you a, I can give you a, a, an idea whether or not you are bad or good at managing relations by looking at your own relations with the people closest to you, your parents, your siblings, your best friends, your spouse. If it is a mess in all aspects, there, it's good to go and take up formal courses. It, it is a mess in all aspects because it cannot be that everybody in your life is a bad person, doesn't understand you, make life difficult for you, give you so much grief. It cannot be. Surely there must be one who didn't give you grief. Then you say, yeah, but my come on very bad. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. Not the conditions of human bad. If you can generally get along with the people closest to you, then no worries. When you go out to work, you will be fine. So for those of you at the threshold of entering the professional world, take a quick look around you. Whom are you closest to? How many of these people around? How many difficult people are you talking about in your life that gives you an idea whether or not you need professional assistance in honing your interpersonal skills? Okay? These are about perfecting your effort. Now, as I said earlier, a large part of this within your control, yes? A large part within your control. You determine how much skills of the area and you continue polishing. You decide how you want to absorb knowledge, how much to absorb, how well to absorb, how to tweak the knowledge. And then whether you learn to be agile about managing people and situation, that one requires experience, some knowledge, and the right attitude to learning, you should be able to do it. Okay? This is about effort. Outcome. Most of us are interested in outcome. Is it possible for outcome to be perfect? I don't know. Because they, for the outcome to happen the way you want, Conditions which are mainly outside of your control. I have it in Chinese. <laughs> in Chinese is a very nice word. Tian yi, what? Tian so people 
What was that expression? <laughs> you get the idea. Basically, what it means is there are conditions and there are human involved. For an outcome, it really depends on other people and conditions outside the control. The weather, the, 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 the climate, you do surgery halfway earthquake. <laughs> it's something like that. You know, that's so crazy. Power failure. Hello? And this time around, we are talking about a reaction. This is not your members of your team. If you are a salesperson and you're trying to sell something, are you able to hit the record? It depends. There is only so much you can handle. You can manage the client. But ultimately, you don't control her brain or his brain. He decides. Based on his interests and his calculation of what's, what are his benefits, he decides whether or not he likes your face. Can you, can you handle that? To some extent, if your EQ really solid, you can, you can still do something. But if he doesn't have money, he doesn't have money. They come back from you. You see what I'm saying? There's a whole bunch of things outside control. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk about exam. The assumption is if you studied everything and you studied it so well, by the time you go to the exam, what are the odds that you should do well? Fairly high, you said. Well, that year, congratulations, the examiner somewhere else decided to be really creative. You look at the question 50% you've never seen before. How to prepare for something you have never seen before? And this is a true story. I was telling you a true story. When I was doing my A-levels, which is like a long time ago, <laughs> before most of you were born, <laughs> a long time ago. Now, this is economics. I did economics in my A-levels. And I remember, uh, you know, I was really good at spotting questions. I was so good. I stand on Guinness World of Record, getting everything right type. I was so good that I might as well spot questions because whatever I hit would come out. It was that good. Ah, except for the A levels exam. This is GCE A levels. Huh? And I said to myself, every year for the past 10 years, 50% macro, 50% micro. You can actually just put all your A's on one and you get five questions, you can answer four. My micro is hopeless. My math is hopeless. So I did all my eggs for macro, I just dropped. The entire micro I dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when it came out, it was like 60 or 70% macro. Macro. So I hit checkpoint, you know? <laughs> but my friends who spotted micro died. For the first time, it's like 40%, 30% micro. So he died. And this is what happens. So you can count, and you can prepare, you can do all kinds of funny things. And at the end of the day, there is still that element which is outside of control. And this is just exam. It's, it's as controlled as an, an environment as you can get. You're not dealing with another human other than the marker. <laughs> You can't control the fact that that day he that 
fist with his wife and I just said, this tip with her. And he went in and, <laughs> <laughs> and then you were uh, like a, looking for a, a B, you know, and why am I going to get a C minus? Because he marked you for spelling. <laughs> Things happen. So, what does that mean? It means this, okay? What is my advice to you? Did you know that there was a suitor where people, a lay person went before the Buddha and he asked the Buddha. So this is where the Dhamma comes in. Right? He asked the Buddha, Buddha, we are lay people and we, we enjoy all the luxuries of life. Can you teach us something whereby we can also be happy in this life and in the next? And the first thing that the Buddha said to him, Buddha gave him eight pieces of advice. Four to help him have happiness in this life, and four for happiness in the next. And in the four for this life, the first one he said, be the best that you can in your job, in your work. He calls it achievement of effort. So in whatever that you do, this is your secular life. And if this is your secular life, make the best of it. Effort. So I always tell my students, in the past, I would say to them, Buddha says, you should go for upgrading. He didn't say the word upgrading, but you should do upgrading. Be the best that you can. Do the best that you can. So it is not wrong to have aspiration. And you think, huh? separate one, practitioner, you heard of eating partner? The four psychic powers. Four. The first is Chanda. Chanda means aspiration. Aspiration. Chanda, Virya, Chitta, Vimansa. Chanda is with, it's a desire, aspiration. So, in order for you to be able to realize Nibbana, to have spiritual success, you must first want it. You must first say, I hope to one day be able to realize Nibbana. You cannot assume your conditions are so fantastic that you run too long, run too long, you will realize. <laughs> Anyhow, any oh how, you knock around like a pinball machine and still you realize the father. What? Free ride. <laughs> no, must work hard. Must change habits. So aspiration. And for practitioner, it's the effort that counts. So the word virya appears in, in fact, the most number of times, I think, more than anya. 
very uh, energy, energetic, determined to do well, determined to practice rightly by the Dhamma. That very uh, appears more time than Pamir as part of the design factors of enlightenment. So it's all about because that's the one thing you have some control over. Okay? But, having said all these, you still need to know when to say, it's okay, I'm good. Manage your craving. You see, the balance here is, did it appear? It did, right? You see, the balance here is this. Many of us, we want the results. We're not talking about the effort for most of us. And my point is, you need to be able to tell yourself, I've done my best, I will deal with whatever comes. It's good enough. That's the part you need to manage. That's the part where you have wisdom or not. If you do not know, if in your mind, you are saying, if I put in the effort, I must get hundred percent return plus interest. That is when your craving will come and hurt you. Okay? This is the advice I would give you in order for you not, not to feel too stressed in lay life. In lay life, there are so many things we want. I'm saying it is not wrong for aspirations to want things. But manage one what you want and manage to how you intend to achieve it. And manage three the results. Many of us are unrealistic in our expectations. I, I put in this amount, I want this return. that it won't work. And the final point I want to make is this. This thing about secular versus spirituality. We have a human birth. This is not easy. To be able to be born a human in itself it's already Bless a blessing. It's auspiciousness. To be born a human already gave you an opportunity to grow. If you put all your eggs in a secular basket, you must know the secular life will end. How long, how short, you don't know. You work on the assumption it's going to be long, you are actually betting on average. Average lifespan 17. I went to Sutia lot. But the reason why it's national average is because there are people Sutia lot. <laughs> there are people who pull down the average. And my advice is. If you learn how to have a balance between giving some attention to spirituality 
while pursuing your secular profession. That's like betting both sides. Lah. That's just playing it smart. Why? Well, if it's a long life, so be it. But at the same time, if it's a long life and you put spirituality into your life, as you travel in life's journey, you will experience happiness. There will be some degree of contentment, happiness, balance. It's good for your mind. But if your life is not long, if you better wrongly and it's short, then at least you have already done the necessary for a good becoming. You see what I'm saying? You win both rounds. You see, let's just go through uh, the options. You, you assume it's a long life, so you put everything into your profession, your work. If indeed you have a long life, score one. If you don't have a long life, if you die tomorrow, that's it. Right? So one plus, one minus. If you assume that I don't know how long it is, who knows it might be tomorrow. And indeed it is tomorrow. You still didn't lose. It's a score. Why? Because you had already done necessary to prepare for the end. You work on the assumption the end will come, we will start the practice. We will, we will at least keep ourselves happy and, and start the practice. But if the life turned out to be really long, you're going to have a really long, happy, meaningful, contented life. It's a double win. So to me, it makes absolute sense to introduce the element of spirituality into your life. Because if you do that, you win three, one. If you don't do that, you have only one possible way. Which is it's a long life and you have time. Otherwise, so are the odds, right? Three, one, one, one. <laughs> no, no. If you, if you assume yours is a long life. Because I'm looking at France. If you assume yours is a long life, but it's not, it's short. That is a minus. It can only be a plus if indeed it is a long life and you have time. But you know what's the problem? It means that you will have the regular amount of stress and strain and unhappiness and agitation and da, 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 until the point you decide to start. And by then your brain is kind of wired and structured in a rather uh, fossilized way. You're fossilized into unhappiness. And now when you try and do spirituality, you've got to chisel away all the parts that make you sour. So you have to work doubly hard to come to what I call an okay state. Remember what I keep saying, if you do not have Kusala in your life, 
it's not going to be possible to do your meditation. I said that in previous classes before. This classes before. So if you spend your entire life being angry, being agitated, giving in to your loba dosa, giving in to your loba dosa, at this miraculous point when you suddenly have the wisdom to say, I shall start my practice, how difficult do you think it's going to be? You're going to purge a lifetime of bad habits. By the time you finish purging, you're so tired, you go to sleep. Hopefully not for good. You see what I'm saying? I have all these things, uh, and I, I, I just, People say things like, I don't have time. You know, I'm very busy with life. I don't have time to, to cut the number talk. I don't have time to do a meditation. I don't have time to read the Dhamma book, and so on and so forth. I don't have time. I don't have time. You don't have time for life. Where did you spend your time? On proxy delights, on temporary gratification, which comes and goes and has no real meaning other than an explosion of endorphins in your mind. And then it's over. So, bottom line, try and keep some degree of spirituality like keep in touch with the Dhamma in other words go for classes if you don't have time for classes read Dhamma books I don't have time to read Dhamma books occasionally go for Dhamma talks I really bring it down to lowest denominator <laughs> I don't have time for that can you like do Dana? <laughs> go once a week or once a month and serve somewhere to try and help you infuse yourself with some kusala, some kusala, some giving. Kusala is wholesomeness. You want, you want to have, you want to keep in touch with goodness. And going into the world to work, I am young, I'm just starting out, is no excuse. Okay, it's no excuse. So you keep in touch with spirituality, one day you may wake up. Okay? So to answer your question, yes, it is possible to do everything well, but it depends on your perspective. Giving your best is possible. Having the outcome you want is conditional. That one is not within your control. You can minimize the problems, you can, min you can maximize your, your, the likelihood of a good, a good uh, conclusion for you, meaning to get what you want, you can come close to getting it. But whether or not it really happens, it's, that's condition. So in order that you can maintain some degree of mental uh, stability, in life, maintaining mental stability in life requires you to have the right attitude. You tell yourself, I try my best, the rest is okay. You tell yourself, I need to have some degree of spirituality in my life. You tell yourself, life is not permanent, infinite. 
When you are healthy, when you are young, when you are feeling very excited about your life, your mind is deluded into believing that this state will never end. That is the assumption. That is the delusion of men. When Buddha talks about delusions, men's delusion, there are many forms of it. This is one delusion. We live our life completely with our head completely buried in the sand of delight. So we uh, we not only ignore, it doesn't even touch your consciousness. That time is passing and with every moment is one moment gone. It doesn't cross our mind. Even when you hit 80 and you believe that it won't happen tomorrow, right? Nobody assumes you will die tomorrow. So at, this is the great philosophy. Uh, I, I can't, I, I, we have a lot of philosophy, so I'm not sure what's the technical term, but they, they like to take one more and one more day and one more day. So today you won't die, huh? Tomorrow? And then the next day? So tomorrow comes, and are you going to die tomorrow? And you say, no, I won't die tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, are you going to die tomorrow? At some point, it must happen. <laughs> At some point, death will come. But in our mind, it won't be tomorrow. It won't be today. If you are a little bit wise, it's not going to be today. Do you know the Buddha's teaching for his mother? They are to reflect the next moment. Before you swallow your bite, death calls. And for some people, that's exactly how it happens. The mochi goes down the wrong channel. <laughs> right? For some people, it's exactly how it happens. So, death is uncertain. Okay, uh, I, I have to keep this one short because we have another class at 7. I'm going to ask any question. Any question? <coughs> no? How about all eggs and spirituality? Sorry? All eggs and spirituality. Huh? Put all the eggs on spirituality. <laughs> oh, put all the eggs on spirituality, is it? Of course you can. There were many monks in the time of the Buddha and many years after who didn't put everything on spirituality. And sadhu to the efforts. But for the crowd here, especially for young people here, they're not thinking of spirituality. They are all ready to plunge into the secular pool. Right? All ready to plunge into the secular pool. Actually, the Dhamma, the intent of the Dhamma, is to help the individual manage the conditions of his mind, understand how the mind works, and manage the mind's conditions. Think of it this way, huh? You probably you drive, or at least know how to drive. Driven a car before? Do you know how your car works? Do you? 
Okay, I'm not talking to the guys. The girls! <laughs> Gentleness. You know what the guys? Now, if you know how your car works, if it breaks down on the road, are you worried? Seriously, I thought you said you knew. You just go and come and So you kind of know how to drive the car, but the engine parts, how they connect and how you fix that, you won't call yourself an expert. Is that fair? Uh, okay. If you know how to fix the car mechanically, if it breaks down along the road, you have no problem, right? Because you know how to fix it. It's the same with your mind. If you know how your mind works and confronted with all the problems of life, because problems in life, sometimes it's not your fault, sometimes it's conditioned, because you cannot, you cannot determine what people will say to you. You cannot determine when you, when a scammer will come and scam you. You can't determine that. You don't know when bad things will happen. When these things happen, whether your mind can tackle it and handle and stay afloat and stay steady without too much shaking depends on whether or not you know how that mind works. If you understand its mechanics, then when confronted with a situation that disturbs people, generally, your mind will recover fast. It shakes and then it's back to reboot state and you're steady. If you don't know how it works, then you will be tossed and turned and flung around by the conditions of life. That's all. That's the reason why my advice to you guys who are going into the world, learn the Dhamma, learn it well, understand how that mind of yours works. Then you go into this world equipped with an understanding of not just how your mind works. Your mind is no different from another mind. How many of you think that you are special? I don't want to see any enough. <laughs> because only when you are special, your mind works differently from everyone else. In which case, the Dhamma is not suitable for you because the Dhamma describes the regular mind. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the mind described in the Dhamma is one which has a deluded sense of reality, everyone else, behave in a certain way, everyone else, Shakes in the same way like everyone else, get caught up, get drowned in the same way like everyone else. That's the regular mind. And this is the mind that the Buddha taught how to fix. Okay? Okay, that's it. No question. Yes. Some mice 
don't have to touch the drop of the mic. And at that time, I do not uh, learn about Buddhism that well. So I feel bad when I have to kill the mice. And during my, my, during my time as a researcher in cancer, luckily I don't, I don't, I do not need to test the drug, potential drug candidate to the animals and just do it in the laboratory. But my aspiration in the future, I want to become the, the, the person who makes a new drug for cancer, for disease, and so on. And to test the drug before to the human, I have to test it to animals most of the time with mice. So, if I imagine in that way, I still feel bad to the mice that I have to sacrifice, I have to kill to test the drug. Can you give some advice what kind of mind that I have to have if I have to kill this animal for my drug testing? Because I have to use animal, I can't use human. <laughs>
is done. It's a deed is done. In some cases, when the person is doing that, the person is actually motivated by, oddly enough, a misplaced sense of kusala. But it is there. For instance, euthanasia, right? You know what's euthanasia, right? Your loved one suffers terribly and you know death is a matter of days. There's no recovery. So your, your, the mind of the, the, the loved one is, let's just pull the plug and let it go. That's still taking a life, right? I pull the plug and let you go, that's taking a life. And I said that if your mind is motivated by compassion and kindness, at that point, this is your sacrifice. Your sacrifice. I will take, I know that this is Panati Pata, and I'm doing it, but I can't bear for you to suffer endlessly. Then I'll do it. Then this is your sacrifice. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. You know, this is something to bear my own morality. Morality is complex. There are the ones which are black and white. You kill, you enjoy it. That's nasty. Then there are all these grey zones where it becomes complex. Because it becomes complex because what is welfare, what is interest, what is happiness, it's not so clear. You see what I'm saying? When you hurt people, cause them pain, that is nasty. But when you are hurting people, but you're not causing them pain. You're bringing them, you're bringing them peace. Sometimes, like you go see doctor, he cut you because you're bleeding badly. You know he's. There's a lot of pain, but then eventually it's going to help you get healing. So, so it's not, it's for your well-being that this has happened. And, and then you go, causing pain is bad, for sure. But then, if I'm causing pain to bring health, actually that's not bad, right? So that's, that's the other angle. And, and so all these complexity, this ethical complexity, people get tired of knots, which is where you are. You're tired of knots. I can't, I can't give you a way of making you feel better. I can tell you that morality sometimes does hit the gray zone. But I can give you two principles to help you figure out what should or should not be done. Principle one, if you are the mice, how do you feel? So I call it the principle of empathy. Put yourself in the shoes of the victim. Put yourself in the shoe of the person you see. Suppose I say you are dying and you are looking at an excruciating end and you have no idea when it's going to happen. 
but you know it's going to happen. Now you can't move, so you can't pull the plug yourself. Do you or do you not want another one to pull it for you? If you say, I would, I would, I hope someone will love me enough to pull the plug for me. If you say that, then what's your answer? It's your own answer. Will you do it for another? Okay? And, so spiritual, uh, sorry, uh, principle of empathy. If you don't like to be the lead, the lead red, then cannot lah. You don't want it. You don't do it. You don't want it happening to you, you don't do it to another. That's basically that principle. If you have bad, you're bleeding, this is excess here, would you like someone to cut it for you? Yes. So do law, that should be okay law. Empathy. You see what I'm saying? The second one is, I call it, it's, it's about spiritual, I, I give it a nice technical term, spiritual utilitarianism. It's a nice long term. But actually, what it means is, whatever takes you closer to Nibbana, that is considered good, moral, should be done. Whatever takes you away from Nibbana, those actions should not be done. Go read the book. <laughs> <laughs> the answers are all there. I squeeze all the grey cells to put together what I hope are useful advice for people and then people say, I like, I like, I download, I download the movie. <laughs> How many of you have already downloaded the book? Oh, so <laughs> you should, should just go check it out, okay? All the answers are there. I, I address all the issues from, from killing to stealing to lying, grey zone, white lie, brown lie, purple lie, all in the book. Okay? 6.30. Right. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, uh, let's say please, I don't